Trust in God and God will make your path straight. And in all things and everything, lean on God for your understanding. Please be seated. In my previous uh, ministry experience, it was always... It was always a question of whether the candles would outlast what I had to say if I had a particular topic that I really loved. As I look at the candles, as I was sitting there thinking about the candles here, they're pretty much candles that are on steroids as far as I can see because they're so huge. (laughs) um, But nevertheless, if I really put my mind to it, talking about God's love for us is something that I could actually, I think, challenge those candles to actually stay alight. (laughs) However, my love for you and having you sit here for hours and hours upon end, I think, asked me to put something together that is a lot more um, concise. So don't be afraid. The candles won't be be a challenge. It'll just be me challenging myself to think about how to contain it. Because when we talk about God's love for us, how do you contain it? How do you hold on to it? When we read the gospel today, we see Jesus talking in two different ways. One is a very mystical language, that God, Father and I are one, we're intertwined, our spirits are together. This mystical sense that God is here as one person, but yet one, one God, but yet with two persons available to us. Jesus the Son and God the Father. And having just finished the act of washing his disciples' feet, Jesus now speaks about how they should love one another, how they should care for one another. So God being glorified in Jesus is about the earthly demonstration of love, compassion, peace, justice. Jesus as the Messiah, in this mystical sense, is the way to salvation. But there is also another element to the passage we read, which is the practical nature of Jesus. That is, not only is he the way to salvation, he is also the example of salvation. In a matter-of-fact way, Jesus speaks about how we are to follow and shows that. And And we see that in the parts of the readings that come from Holy Week, where Jesus is beaten, tortured, where people speak falsely about him. They turn away from him as the rabbi. And yet, he doesn't stop his path to the cross. He continues going to the cross. And he continues his journey to save us. You see, as Jesus is telling his disciples to love one another and to do good to each other, as he has done to them, he knows what they're going to do. He knows they are going to fall short of all the things that he has, all the things that he has asked them to stay constant in faith and constant in prayer. All these things happen. And even when we see Jesus on the cross, he looks down from the cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Imagine if we look down at times when we felt stressed and worried. Imagine if we took a moment just to stop and sort of stop thinking we're adversarial or that we're not getting along. And imagine if we said, Father, Father, forgive them. They're just not understanding what I'm trying to say or do or share. 
Imagine what a difference that could make in our lives as we move forward. When Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, it is not a command from someone who has not been through pain. He has lived in the world and has experienced the pain of this world. In fact, our Saviour has gone through more than most of us will ever go through. And yet, he still gives us the example of showing his love for everyone there. Now, in the New Testament, love is not love. Whilst love is a great word in English, in the New Testament, there are various elements to love. There is eros, um, philos, and agape. And the love that we're talking today is about agape. Agape love is that which is unconcerned for the self and more concerned for the other. Agape love isn't just about emotions. I feel good about that person. It's not about how well you know someone. It's not about attraction. It's not about an accounting system where they've done three things for me, so I'm going to do one big thing to catch up. It is just simply doing something for someone because it is just and right to do it. And the kicker to this is that you expect nothing in return. That you just do it because that's what Jesus would have done. And if we are to be the face, hands and feet of Jesus in the world, then guess what we have to do? Love each other, love the people around us without expecting anything in return. Agape love requires faithfulness, commitment and sacrifice. And that is what we are called to do as disciples and followers of Jesus. As you will see in the bulletin, there's a part of the bulletin today in Faith Matters that asks you to journal, to sit with how much God loves you and to write these things down. And I'm not, I haven't got my journal here. I've only just picked a handful of things. But let's look at some of the ways that God loves you. Well, God loves you in his agape love because he sent Christ into the world to save us. God didn't need to do it. It's an undeserved grace and merit to us. But he did it because he loves us. Christ paid for our sins, which had separated us from God. And as Jesus tells the disciples to love one another as he has loved them, he does this in light of all the sins that he can see them doing in the next little while. For us today, he knows that we will be angry, envious, hurtful, anxious, worried, dismissive and sometimes toxic in how we behave and how we deal with others. And yet, the Bible tells me clearly that if I repent and change and think about what I've done and say to my Lord and Saviour, come back, I've really not done that very well, please help me to do better next time, I'm saved. God is with me and God never leaves me. As the first of the sinners, and I say I am the first of the sinners because I'm the reverend. And so you've got to expect that the reverend is the person that's gone down to the lowest point in their life and made it back by God's grace to be here to share a testimony that will inspire you to have an amazing relationship with your God. I've, I've done some awful things in my life. I've done some terrible things in anger, in worry, anxiety, and, I, and there's worry and anxiety that float around all the time. And yet, I can clearly tell you that when you repent and turn away from that aspect of your life and allow the fruits of the Holy Spirit to come in, your life is so much easier. It just runs like a well-oiled machine. 
God loves us in his agape love by calling us out of the darkness of sin and into the light of fellowship with him. He will constantly and faithfully call us through the church, through people, through the Bible, and sometimes even as a sovereign action. He will come into our life to get us to understand that we are no longer in the dark, but we are in the light of his presence and salvation. God shows us his love by not only forgiving us our sins, but calling us into the family of the church, calling us into the family of believers. By Jesus' death on the cross, sacrificial actions were shared so that we could have a share of an inheritance. And this inheritance includes salvation, strength, hope, peace, comfort, providence, fellowship, and the list goes on. Mindful of the candles. By God's love, we have the power of heaven behind us so that we can move forward without hesitation to release God's glory into all our communities, here, at work, in our family, wherever you are. You are there to release God's glory into every part of that section of your life. God's love sanctifies us as holy people. We are permanently sanctified because Christ paid the sins in a once and for all sacrifice. We are his holy people set apart to obtain our salvation through the grace of Christ. Another way that God has an agape love. Doesn't need to do it, doesn't need to do it, is expecting nothing in return, but he still goes ahead and does it. We are saved by grace and so it becomes a question of how you live after you have been saved, not how you live to be saved. We see this when Jesus cooks breakfast and we saw this uh, Easter 3, when Jesus was cooking breakfast and Peter comes uh, when he's fishing and he speaks to Peter and he asks Peter three times, do you love me? And Peter responds three times, finishing with, Lord, you know how much I love you. And it's a great juxtaposition of seeing Peter deny Jesus three times before the rooster crowed and then affirming his love for Jesus three times after he's risen. Because what Jesus is showing us is we can do things over and over in the wrong way. But it takes that one moment, that one special moment, that infinitesimally small moment when the Holy Spirit comes into your life. That's the part that counts. And that's the part that reaffirms you as one of, God, one of Christ's disciples. As I said, there are many more ways that I could describe. I could bring a whole journal, or two actually, and talk about it. But I'm, I'm not going to do that. And you may notice at the moment I've spoken a lot about how God loves you and how God wants you to understand that love. Because it's a bit like being in a plane in the emergency situation when the masks come down. We're always told to put the mask on first before helping someone else. So unless you individually understand how full of love you are with God's love, how can you go and profess to the rest of the community that God loves them? 
You need to feel the, the weight of God's love, the, to be surrounded by God's love so that you are so full that you can do nothing else but love. And if we can do nothing else but love, what an inspiration we become to everyone around us. What a, what a light, a beacon of hope and peace and joy. All the fruits of the Holy Spirit are shared when we are, when we are holding on and containing the love of God. Let's think about some of the things that may affect our thoughts. And I've got a list of things that you might have forgotten or you might not be sure of or you may be sure of and might help others with. But let's consider, if you do not know God loves you as you are, how can you love others as they are? God loves you just the way you are. He created you just the way you are. He doesn't want to change a thing about you. But what he wants you to do is to put him first in every decision you make. He wants you to think about every decision with prayer, with thought, with discernment in his power. Now, if you are confident of that, well, when there's someone else struggling with a decision or a thought or a way to live, go and tell them out of agape love. Go and say, look, this is how my life is when I put God first. You've, I've noticed you've had a lot of trouble. Just try it once. See what happens. Just do it once. And then walk away and see if, see if that message sticks with them and if they want to experience God in the same way. If you are not sure that God is calling you out of the darkness of your life and into the eternal light of his presence, how can you call others into the light of his presence? Can I say to you to be confident that you are living in God's light? Feel it. Surround yourself in it. Know that it is with you. If you doubt it, just close your eyes and pray and all of a sudden you will just feel the weighty presence of God's glory in your life. And it is weighty. When we read in the Old Testament that the temple was full of God's glory, it was like a weight, like walking through a heavy, a heavy space filled with air. Feel the weight of the light that surrounds you and keeps you and nurtures you. Because when you can feel that, guess what you can do? Love another. You can love another by telling them that they have the weight of the light of God surrounding them, that God loves them and wants them to feel his presence each and every day. If you are not sure of or not confident in or if you don't know that you are separated by sin and are part of an eternal family, how can you tell others to come to church? How can you tell others to come to worship? How can you be a presence in their worship space? No matter what you think you have done, no matter what you think may separate you from God, can I suggest that there is nothing that will separate you from God? God will always be there, present in your life. No matter what you think you have done, you are always part of God's family. So, if you are confident of that, and if you've realise that and you're strong in that faith or maybe you're going to now make that your goal to be strong in that faith, go and tell someone else. Go and tell someone that's been to this parish and is embarrassed to come to church because they're thinking, oh, well, I haven't been here for a year. How could I ever come back to worship again? Or I've 
been angry with someone. How could I ever come to worship again? Ring them up. Tell them, God loves you. We don't care. Just come. There's a service on. We've got a crazy vicar that's leading us now. Just come along. If it, and he's crazier than you are, so you can't, you can't be out of place. If you do not know that the grace, the presence of grace in your life and that Jesus stands before God and brings you honour and credit so that you can have eternal life, how can you share that with someone else? So you need to be confident in it. You need to know that God's life, power and righteousness has been given to you and you did nothing to deserve it except to call Jesus Lord and Messiah. So if you know that or if you're working on it, once you get to that point of knowing that God loves you in that way, go out, tell someone else. So go and call those around you and tell them that the Lord Jesus is, your, is their saviour and all you've got to do is just say, Lord, you're my saviour. That's as hard as it gets. Maybe they might need a prayer, so stay and pray with them. But God's power and righteousness is in their life as soon as they call Jesus Lord and Saviour. We see that in the Exodus when the Israelites finally accept that they're going. God saves, and then once everyone's saved, he then works out, well, now that you're saved, this is what I want you to do. He doesn't say, oh, well, look, here's a contract, here's a covenant. Now, if you're happy, keep, now I'll save you. It's always first we receive things in grace. And it is by grace that we are led further down by the Holy Spirit. Jesus' words today are clear. Agape love has always been and always will be the follower for the, and always will be the answer, sorry, for the followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus loved us enough to lay down his life and he loved us enough to leave a church that will lead us to hope in the midst of the brokenness that we see. As a parish, we are called to carry that commandment on. And how amazing is it for us that we have two worship centres to use to share that message and to bring that into two amazing communities. The resources that God has given us are amazing. So let's use it. Let's go out and tell people. Let's, uh, let's ring people up that used to come here and don't. Find out why they think they can't be part of this family again. And of course, it's always easy to rationalise our way out of loving one another. We want to qualify love. We want to complicate it by adding a clause in that says, well, if they keep screaming at me, I might not speak to them for a month or two months and then two months becomes four months and four months of anger becomes ten years before you speak to someone. We want to pat ourselves on the back for tolerating the unlovable and loving those that we tolerate. It's not easy to live out Jesus' command in our lives, but Jesus says that it's necessary for the redemption of all of creation. The good news and the message of Easter is that Christ's last words as they are given here, were not his last words, that he rose from the dead. And we know that. We have the whole Bible to tell us all the things we need. God raised Jesus from the dead and the risen Christ walks with us, talks with us, reveals our rough spots and cleanses us. As Revelations reminds us, Jesus is already loving us by wiping away our tears of mourning, crying and pain. As we worship, Jesus is here with us. 
in your imagination, do you make that connection? Or do, you, or do you just forget to allow to see the space that maybe Jesus is sitting there or here or with everybody at the same time because, you know, it's a piece beyond my understanding. But somehow, when we all think that Jesus is with us, everyone in the room feels peace. Use your imagination to go into that mystical sense just like Jesus did at the start of this reading to understand that he is with you right now. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ gives us someone who will help us, who will help us love each other each new day, just as Jesus has loved us. So I'm asking you this week to fill yourselves with love, to go away and journal and just write, just whatever comes. Oh, when this person, when I needed someone, God sent this person. When I felt down and out and I prayed, I felt God here. Maybe today, maybe this message here might have something in something of love for you. Write that down. Because sometimes that little message of love that comes becomes a whole turning point in your life. And if something I said today is a turning point, praise God. And let's celebrate it on the anniversary. I want you so filled with God's love that you are oozing it out of every pore of your body. That you are so infectious with love that you become a beacon pointing others to the way of salvation to our Lord and Messiah. Amen.